Well, welcome to the crossing. Good to see you today. Hope you're doing well. Um, uh, leading that last song was Phil Wickham. Phil is a Christian recording artist, and many of the songs we do around here he wrote and uh, produced, and he's in concert tonight in town. We'll tell you more about that the end of the service if you want to buy tickets to that. Well, I have a few numbers that I thought I could see if you could guess what they are. Okay, here's the first one. It is uh, number four. Any guesses? This is the days that it's been since the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Okay? So for all of you Cubs fans, we went from 39,400 days down to four. And uh, so now that the Cowboys are winning right now and the Cubs win the World Series, I... I don't know who I'm going to make fun of, so uh, this is very hard for me. I'm I'm really struggling. Okay, second number right here. Two, Uh, this is the number of days until we have to stop watching political ads. So I thought you'd be happy about that. And uh, here's my encouragement to you. Um, I believe as believers in Christ, it's our responsibility to vote. It's our responsibility to be a part of what is going on. And to not just point fingers and do stuff, but to be involved. And so go and make sure that you vote this week and, uh, and just let your Christian values be known in how you vote. And so here's the last number. Last number is this, eight. This is week eight of our Transform series in the final week. And so uh, it's been a great series. And so I thought I would start off just um, with, this, with this topic, just with a, to start off with a question. It's a question that you get all the time. It's usually the first question somebody will ask you when they meet you. Some of you, you're embarrassed by this question. Some of you, you're proud of it. If you're a student, you answer this question by what you're going to do in the future. If you're retired, it's by the past. We know this question. What, what is it? What do you do? What do you do? I was going to a neighborhood party a couple weeks ago, and I actually was talking to Darla about this question right here. I said, I don't know what to say. Because when you're a pastor and you introduce yourself as a pastor, you get one of two reactions. Number one, it just shuts down the conversation. (laughs) They don't know what to say. They're replaying how many times they have cussed so far, all the inappropriate things that they've done. And so if they don't just walk off, they'll try to say something like, well, I like the Pope. Or... You know, I went to church last Christmas. I'm like, well, great. I like the Pope, too. You know, that's, that's great. Or the second thing that will happen is it'll turn into a counseling session. They find out I'm a pastor, and they begin to confess all of this stuff to me. And they just want a whole counseling session. And so I actually said to Darla, well, should I just kind of lie about this? You know, we're going to this neighborhood party. There's going to be all of these neighbors there. I mean, should I just tell them that I help people? That's what I do for a living, or that I'm a teacher, and she goes, I think you're going to have to tell them the truth. I think you're going to actually have to tell them if they ask you. She says, but why don't you wear your Kansas City Chiefs shirt, and maybe the first thing they'll ask you is if you're a Chiefs fan. So I'm like, that's a great idea. So we go to this party, and outside of the one family that um, was from the crossing, nobody else asked me the question, which was great because I was just able just to talk to our neighbors just on a normal conversation to get to know them. And I understand why we ask this question, what do you do? We ask this question because we want to get to know people. We want to understand where they've come from. The problem is so many people define themselves by what they do. That for so many people, they confuse what they do for who they are. 
for their identity. And then to complicate it even further, I heard a study this week that said that 40% of us believe that what you do is meaningless. You believe that what you do is meaningless. And so this question, it's not that it's not an important question. It's just not the most important question. I got my first real job when I was 14 years old. I worked at a women's shoe store, and I was the stock boy, so every day after school, I'd get on my bicycle, and I would ride to the mall, and I would take care of the back room. I would stock all the shelves, and I would just make sure everything was ready for all the salespeople, and it was at this job right here that I heard the worst jokes I've ever heard in my life. My boss knew that I was a Christian, and so he liked to make fun of me. He would tell me these terrible jokes. He would tell me about the affairs that he was having, all kinds of things that, that he was doing. On top of that, the owner of this women's shoe store, he was a chain cigar smoker. So I had to clean his office every day, and there was just ashes everywhere. I mean, it was just, you know, it was just this hassle trying to clean up after all this. And after three years of doing that job, I just thought, there's got to be a better way of making money. There's got to be. Well, maybe you work 50 or 60 or 70 hours a week, and you have this fantasy that one day you're going to strike it rich. And you're going to strike it rich. You're going to quit your job. You're never going to have to work again. You're going to buy a house by the beach, and you're just going to live happily ever after. Well, that's probably not going to happen to you. That's probably not in your future. But no matter what you do, no matter where you find yourself, God gives us a different question to ask. A different question besides what do you do? See, the most important question that God asks us is how do you do what you do? How do you do what you do? Well, today we're concluding our Transform series, and transformation is about surrendering to God's work in our life. And this has been the foundational scripture for this entire series that we've been on in this eight-week journey out of Romans chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's what we've talked about, is that the Apostle Paul tells us that usually we find ourselves here, is that we are conformed. That we live in this pattern of the world because when you, when you live like everyone else lives, your life ends up where everyone else ends up. That we just kind of drift our way into conforming. We just are in this, this pattern. It's this cookie cutter pattern. And the Apostle Paul comes along. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. He says, but be transformed. He says that here's the goal for all of us. It's you transformed. That God's goal for you is that you would be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. That you would be more like Christ next year than you are right now. And this series has been about this gap, about what God does in this whole transformation process. But here's what we've learned, is that we cannot do this without him. We cannot be transformed without God. God doesn't come and just say, you, you transform yourself. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, just work a little harder, that you can't do this without him. But he won't do this without you. That our job, our job is to begin to submit to what God is doing and to take these areas of our life, to submit them to God, so God can do this transformation work in us. And we've talked about over these last eight weeks, we've talked about being transformed spiritually and physically, 
emotionally, mentally, relationally, financially. And today we're concluding by talking about what's it mean to be transformed vocationally. To be transformed vocationally. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Because I think that the greatest verse in the Bible about how we are to work is found right here in Colossians chapter 3. Because the Apostle Paul knew what it was to work. He was a tent maker. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Apostle Paul here in in Colossians chapter 3, he's talking about relationships. And he's talking about husbands and wives, how we interact with each other. He's talking about parents and children, what our responsibilities are. And in the context of these verses, he's going to talk to slaves and masters. Now, slavery was different in that time than it is today. Many people, than the way that we think of it, many people would actually voluntarily become a slave in certain conditions. But he says, the Apostle Paul says these slaves, he says, obey your masters even when they're not looking. That, that you, even when they're not watching what you do, you obey them. And then he tells the masters later on, he says, that you be fair, you do the right thing. But right in the middle of all of these verses, he gives us the principle, not of what to do, but how to do it. How we are to work. And we're just going to look at just a couple verses here in Colossians 3, verse th- um, 23 is we're going to start off. Here's what he says. He says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So what does this mean? What does this mean? At some point in your life, maybe it's when you're in high school, maybe it's early in your career, you probably work for a really good boss. You work for somebody who that you just love to work for them. They cared for you more than the job. I mean, you felt like when you came in that they really took care of you, that they led with humility, that they went above and beyond to help meet your needs. And if you've ever worked for a boss like that, if you've ever had somebody like that that you work for, here's what happens. Your work rises to the next level because you know that your work reflects on them. You know that that the way that you work, that everybody will judge them by the way that, that you work. And so because of your admiration, you didn't cut corners. You didn't steal because you wanted to make that boss look good because they took such good care of you. Well, Paul comes along, and he gives us a new category for work. He he says no matter what your boss is like, ultimately you don't work for them. You work for Jesus. Do you remember the the Seinfeld episode where George Costanza, he's in in this episode, he decides to leave his car at work just day and night, and then he leaves his jacket on the back of his desk so that his boss thinks that he's just working all the time. He goes, this is the greatest thing. I mean, he doesn't actually work at all, as he never does, but he's like, my boss thinks I'm working all the time because my car is always there, my coat is always there. Here's the good news and the bad news for us, that when I work with all my heart, it reflects on Jesus, that, that it reflects on him. But at the same time, when you cut corners, when you talk behind someone's back, when you do as little as possible, that reflects on Jesus as well. But here's what we have to be careful, because a lot of us, here's what we can tend to do. We can take this and become really hyper-spiritual. He's not talking about that you go into work and you pass out tracks at the break room. That's not what he's talking about. And he's not talking about quitting your job so you can go work at the church or you can become a missionary. You know, people will will say to me from time to time, they'll say, I'm thinking about leaving my job and going into full-time ministry. Well, here's the deal. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, you're already in full-time ministry. There is no distinction. See, the Apostle Paul gives us that first word. He says, whatever you do, whatever. See, this is important. I I want you to hang with me just for a minute because I I spent some time studying this word this week. Do you want to know what this word whatever means in the Greek language? It means whatever. It means whatever you do, whether you're a teacher, a realtor, a pastor, a poker dealer, a business owner, a stay-at-home mom, whatever you do, you work at it with all your heart. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther, the great theologian, he wrote this. I think this is so profound. I I want you you just to kind of take this in. He says, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. See, I think sometimes we try to so over-spiritualize what we do. Because we're believers in Christ. And the Apostle Paul just says, whatever it is that you do, work like you're working for the Lord. That you just begin to change the way that you, that you view your work. And then here's this next verse. He goes on and he says this. He says, whatever you do, work at it as if you're working for the Lord, not for men. He says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Here's what he's saying. He says, as a Christian, you will give an account for every part of your life. And one day, you will be rewarded for how you live your life. Now, he's not talking about salvation. Salvation's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift to everybody. He's talking about the reward that we will get one day on the other side on the way that we lived our life. He's talking about the inheritance. That God isn't simply looking at how often you go to church. It's not how God judges us. God isn't simply looking at your marriage or how you raise your kids or the way you handle your money. God is looking at your whole life. God is looking at every part of it. See, when you go to work, your boss will reward you for the job that you do. God is measuring your your faithfulness in every area of your life. And if you didn't get this before, the Apostle Paul says this again. He goes, it is the Lord Christ that you're serving. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is the tax collector that had an encounter with Jesus. And for Zacchaeus, as far as we know, Jesus didn't tell him to stop being a tax collector. Jesus told him to be a different kind of tax collector, to change the way that he thinks. The Apostle Paul spent years persecuting the church. He spent years persecuting the Christians where he would have them arrested and thrown into jail. He was the one who would be approving of the, of the Christians' deaths until he had this encounter with Jesus that changed everything for him. And when he had this encounter with Jesus, he spent the rest of his life traveling around the world telling people about Jesus and starting churches. But that wasn't his job. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker. That he made tents to support himself. And as we begin to look at the, just the kind of character the Apostle Paul knew, see, what he knew is the way that he made tents reflected on the message of Jesus. The way that he did his job would open up the doors for him to share his faith with other people. 
Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. To transform your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. To transform your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. Whatever it is that you do, whatever you do, See, some of you, you're educators, that you have the opportunity to shape people's lives. Young people, older people. My daughter is a kindergarten teacher, and so she tells us about these stories every night about just shaping the lives of of these little kids. And it may be where you are. It may be illegal for you to specifically talk about Jesus, but it's not illegal for people to see, for the people that you're working with to see Jesus working in your life. See, you might be working in the medical community. And you come alongside people at sometimes their most hopeless and helpless times when they find themselves in a health issue. Because when you find yourself with a debilitating health issue that sometimes it just can wreck your entire life. And you have the opportunity, those of you who are in the medical community, you have the opportunity to bring hope and healing in Jesus' name. To be able to do that in their life. For those of you who are in law enforcement, that if you are in law enforcement, you encounter people at their worst moments. You encounter people when they've made their worst decisions. And for you, for all of those of you who are first responders, you're in law enforcement. See, for you, you get the opportunity to do redemptive work. That you get the opportunity to help rehabilitate and to bring people in. For those of you who are in the service industry, I mean, we're in Las Vegas. I mean, this is the service industry town. Jesus said that he came to this earth, that one of the reasons he came was to serve. So when you serve people, you show the heart of God and how you serve. See, the purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at at work in your life. So let me just give you four applications for how we begin to do this for us. Number one is that everything you do has eternal implications. Everything you do has eternal implications. I talked about this last week where I said that your money has eternal consequences That the way you spend your money, it has eternal consequences. Well, as a follower of Jesus, everything you do has eternal implications. And when you begin to see your life like that, it changes. You may think, well, you know, my work has no purpose. Shane, if you knew what I did, it just has no purpose. But that's where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong. Because if, if what the Apostle Paul said is true, then everything that you do has eternal significance. Not in the sense that someone's eternity is determined by how you do your job, but it might be. It might open up the door for you. It's beginning to see your whole life through the lens of eternity. See, it means that what you do, wherever you are, that it has purpose, that there is a purpose where you are right now. Number two, how you perform at work is as important as how you behave at work. How you perform at work is as important as how you behave. Every now and then, I'll run into Christians who just pride themselves in their character. I mean, they talk about how good a Christian they are and how everybody knows, but but then what you find out is that they're late all the time, they leave early, they're a slacker all day long because they think their job doesn't matter. Listen, great character does not make up for poor workmanship. As a Christian, As a Christian, we ought to have great character. I mean, that's a given. That's a given for us. But we also ought to be the best workers and the best bosses. Let me talk to you. If you're a boss of any kind, if you're some kind of a leader, that the way that you lead people 
The way that you lead people to show them that they're valued and respected, people ought to be dying to work on your team, to work under you, to work for you. If you're a leader anywhere, if you're a worker somewhere, the way that you ought to work ought to be in such a way that everybody wants you to be on their team because of the way that you, that you show character in, the, in what you do. That, you, that how you perform at work is just as important as how you behave at work. Application number three. Putting your heart into your work allows God to bless your work. Putting your heart into your work allows God to bless your work. Here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> that if you came to me and said, Shane, I, I just want God to bless my marriage. And people say this to me all the time. Here's what I tell them. If you want God to bless your marriage, then you follow what God says about marriage in his word. Because God blesses obedience. Or if you, or if you said to me, I, I just want God to bless my finances. Well, here's what the Bible says about money. That if you handle your money in a way that God wants you to, that honors God in the way that you handle your money, you open up yourself to God blessing your finances. So when somebody comes to me and they say, Shane, I just want God to bless my work. Then you show up tomorrow and you work with all your heart as you're working for Jesus. And when you begin to do that, you become a candidate for God to bless your work. Putting your heart into your work is what allows God to begin to bless you in your work. Fourth application is that your identity is found in who you are, not what you do. Your identity is found in who you are, not in what you do. For me, I learned this the hard way. This was a hard lesson for me. I love being a pastor at the crossing. I love it. It's no longer my identity. It's no longer my identity. For years, I measured my identity by my performance. You know, that what would happen is, you know, I speak on most Sundays, so I would speak on Sunday, and every now and then I would go, well, that was pretty good. You know, it wasn't too bad. You know, it didn't, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But the other nine out of ten times, I'd walk home, I'd go, man, that was terrible. I mean, that was absolutely horrible. And so I would go through this mental thing every single week. On Monday, I would mentally resign. I would go, okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm resigning my job. I'm going to go in tomorrow. I'm going to quit my job. I'm done. And then Monday night rolls around, and I think, well, I, I need to support my family, so i got to figure something out. Maybe I'll do this for another week. And it would just kind of be this week after week thing. And actually, it was this issue right here that sent me into the most intense counseling that I've ever had in my life. And I remember... I remember sitting with, with my counselor, and he actually, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, my counselor was yelling at me. I mean, he was yelling at me. He goes, you're just not getting this. And I, I'm like, I, I don't know what to say. He goes, your value and your performance, it, he goes, your value is based on your performance. He goes, until your value is based on Jesus, that your identity is found in him, then you're always going to have these issues. And let me tell you, as much as I love my job, someday I will no longer be here. But my relationship with Christ is forever. That your identity, it is found in Christ. It is not found in what you do. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. I want you to say this out loud with me because I want this to get into your heart and into your head. Let's say this together. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. That whatever you do. So here's your homework for this week. Here's your homework. What would it look like for you to live Colossians 3.23 tomorrow? 
What would be different if tomorrow you went to work and you said, I'm going to work with all my heart like I'm working for Jesus? What would need to change in you? What would you need to say? What would you need to stop saying? How would your attitude change? Let me pick on workaholics here for just a minute. Okay, for some of you, you're workaholics. You love your job so much, you're going to leave here and you're going to go to work. I mean, that's how much you love your job. You know, you want to know how you know if you're a workaholic? Well, you might know that you're a workaholic is, is if you look forward to red lights because you can check your email at red lights every time you stop. You might be a workaholic. See, here's the challenge for you if you're a workaholic. Your challenge tomorrow is to show that your God is not your work, but that your God is Jesus. That's, the, that's what it is for you, that you might have to leave early. You might have to readjust some priorities in your life that tomorrow you get the opportunity to show who your God really is. Others, you can't work for the Lord with a clear conscience, that you want God to bless your job, but you know that as long as you work in that job, God can't bless it. You have a decision to make. What are you going to do? What does working for the Lord mean for you? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. To transform your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. Well, here's how I want to close this series. Because for the past week, past eight weeks, we've been talking about how God changes us. If we'll surrender to him, in these different areas of our life, how God will work in our, in our life. We've been talking about our financial life, our physical life, emotional life, relational life, today our vocational life. Here's what I want you to understand, is that all of these, they are all spiritual. All of these are spiritual. They are all part of God's work in you. Say, I just, I just want to be connected with God. It's connected in all of these areas. Do you want to know what God wants from you? God wants you to take your life and to say, okay, God, it's, here. it's yours. Here, take it. Take all the mess. Take all my mistakes. Take everything. It's yours. I want to show you the verse before this, what has been the theme verse for this series. Because this really kind of wraps it all up for us. This right here, if you can begin to get this right, it'll change everything for you. So here's what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, God is not saying to you today, just get your act together. Just get your act together, transform yourselves, work a little harder. And here's what God is saying. God is saying, just hand me your life. Would you just hand me your life, all of it? Just give it to me, 
and I'll take your mess, and I'll take your mistakes, and I'll show you what you can become. I'll show you what transformation truly looks like. See, we can't be transformed without him, but he won't do it without you. And it starts with saying yes to God, to saying yes to God, whatever I'm doing, wherever I am. You want to know what your ultimate act of worship is to God? It's your life. It's your life. And so for some of you today, it's starting a relationship with Jesus. It's saying yes to God. God, I'm in. I'm going to finally surrender my life to Jesus. For some of you, your yes to God, saying, okay, I get it. My act of worship is my whole life. I'm laying it before you. We have a prayer room over here called The Commons. That maybe you just need somebody just to pray with you. Maybe you need somebody to come alongside you to see what your next step is in your relationship with Jesus, to start a relationship with Jesus, that we want to help you with that. But I want us to pray together. I want to just ask you just to bow your heads. As we go to God, before I pray, I just want to read this scripture over you again. I want to read it out of the message translation. I want you just to, to hear this, to take it in. This is what God is saying to you. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. God, we offer you our lives. God, there's some right right now who are saying yes to you, that they're starting a relationship with Jesus, that they're saying, I surrender my life to you. God, there's others of us who are doing that again, saying, okay, God, we want you to take all of us and we're going to give it to you. Transform us. Make us more like Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.